0: Welcome to Marvelous Disney, the podcast that discusses the most recent doings at one of the more dynamic divisions of the Walt Disney Company, which is, of course, Marvel Entertainment. This is entertainment writer Jim Hill, and my co host, the amazing Aaron Adams, and I are recording this week's episode on Wednesday, December 29th, 2021. First time we talked since the holidays. Uh, how did your Christmas go, Aaron? Uh, very well. My
1: lovely wife got me some artwork from Alex Ross—a pencil litho of Spider-Man I fighting the Sinister Six—and uh,
0: I saw that. Yeah. That was where did she find this litho? That was amazing.
1: She's really good at finding it. So yeah, it's my second piece of Alex Ross art to uh, mm-hmm. to go up on the wall. But uh, I was I was overjoyed when I saw it, it is so beautiful. If you want to see it, everybody, you can you can go find it on Twitter at twitter.com. Mm-hmm. Does everyone know how Mm -mm. to find Twitter? (laughs) Is that a new thing? Do we need directions?
0: (laughs) I do, but that's my Okay, so anyway, folks, tonight's show will go live on Friday, December 31st, New Year's Eve. Seems as good a time as any for Aaron and I to look back at 2021, and a wee bit of a peek ahead to 2022. And, of course, New Year's Eve, prior to the pandemic, used to be a good excuse to get together with people, have a little party. And, of course, you can't have a party unless you invite a few guests. So that being said, let me introduce you to Aaron and my's guest for this week's Marvelous Disney. Kevin Feige, which is, everybody.
1: Uh, Give it up for Kevin Feige.
0: Was oh, that did that fly
1: through, Jim? Well, you know. <laughs> Please introduce Matthew. Just let's bring the poor guy
0: okay. in. He's waving the about wings. To it's to it's cold it. out there. Okay. Come on. Okay. Matthew Graykin.
2: Come in, Matthew. Well, th- thank you for letting me in. Yes, it is it is quite cold uh in Chile, but uh Thank you so much. It's quite an honor to be on here.
0: Uh, Matthew, for those of you who don't know, is the driving force behind the Disney Marvels podcast. Very familiar sounding name. A great night Mine's thinking like it. You should add an us in there. Call it yeah. Disney Us Marvels. That could
2: work, but, you know, what they, what Bugs Bunny says about when you smell mud backwards. <laughs> oh,
0: no, no. Okay. Uh, now, for those of you are not familiar with Disney Marvels, this terrific podcast has been around since April of 2018. Matthew, with the help of his lovely wife, Kimberly, Matt Leonard, and Isaac Sango. Am I getting that right? or uh, That's Isaac Sagoo. Segu, Segu, covers all manner of mouse-related topics, parks and uh, movies and TV shows. They also do in-depth dives on topics like Pixar, The Muppets, and, of course, Marvel. And Matthew just released episode 158 of Disney Marvels earlier today, which was also a look back of 2021. So this is going to be familiar turf to you today. Matthew? Only in my case, Aaron and I will be zeroing in on the past year for the Marvel side of the street. So thanks for coming on the show tonight.
2: I could put on my baseball cap and, uh, you know, just like Kevin wears his baseball cap. I mean, we're
0: both from New Jersey. So, you know, <laughs> it's you know, similar to having Kevin on. I'll, I'll, I'll pretend. During the Michael Eisner years, and got me wrong, I loved Michael Eisner. But Michael was one of these gentlemen who would put on a baseball cap. And then six months later, take off the baseball cap and have more hair. Is that what's going on with Mr. Feige as well? Is, is there some seeding going on or does he just like baseball caps?
2: I, I think he's a lot like Alvin from Alvin the Chipmunks that it's his kind of thing uh, now. He's, he's never taken it off in the past several years. So we're not certain, but we'll just go with that. We're going to be oh.
1: looking for rows and columns of hair plugs when he takes off the hat. You know, when I interview him, I'm going to ask him, I'm just, hey, Kevin, please bend over, lean towards me. I'm just going to see if these are all lined up in a very uh, sequential pattern of hair plugging.
0: Oh,
1: please, I'm sure we'll be best friends immediately after
0: that moment. I have a number of friends who have done this, and it's that sort of seagrass thing where they plant them. And the problem is, when they don't go all the way through and you have that grid pattern and that's all you can look at, right. you know, you're know, you trying to make eye contact, but it's like, that's just not natural. Anyway, uh, to get things started here, Aaron, you actually did a little homework out ahead of the show. You you have a, a list that you'd like to share before we get started here, right? Oh, yeah. Well, if
1: we're going to do a year in review, we might as well give some something uh, for the people to disagree with about because mm-hmm. everyone loves a good... End of your list, but nobody agrees with your end of your list. Okay. So that's where the conversation starts. It's a conversation starter <laughs> is where we start at. Mm-hmm. And we're going to start at okay. number eight, which is WandaVision, the lowest ranking on the pile. Have I already started a fight with my two co-hosts for the evening? I, we'll get to that. Okay. okay. It's, Keep, it's not that on. WandaVision is bad. It's just that the mm-hmm. everything else is that good. So in a year of I quality entertainment... Uh, mm-hmm. It finds itself in last place simply because everything else was so good. And really, the reason it finds itself in last place is, in my opinion, episodes one and two could be cut and you would, you would miss zero story. It was all for the, the TV shenanigans and, and setting up a trope that was fun, but not necessary to the storytelling. Uh, seven, Falcon and the Winter Soldier, because... Did it really move the MCU forward in a significant way? I realize that Sam's gotta end up as Captain America, but we didn't have a whole lot of evolution in the MCU mm-hmm. during that show. Another great show. It just mm-hmm. didn't propel the MCU forward very much.
2: We yeah, we had um what's her name from um from Seinfeld. I, I forgot her name at the moment. Um
1: Julia Louise Dreyfus character,
2: the Contessa? Yes, but she, she Julie Lewis Davis came on, and so you have that connective thread, even though it hasn't played out yet. Right. Uh, what what she's done?
1: Yeah, she she could become important, but for right now, she's a cameo, and that don't impress me much. Which, speaking of uh, cameos from Elaine Bennis from Seinfeld, Black Widow comes mm-hmm. in at number six because mm-hmm. she makes a cameo there, and and uh, MC, the Black Widow movie again did not drive the MCU forward, and as a matter of fact, we had to look backwards. In order to watch Black Widow,
2: yeah, I personally put Black Widow much further down on my list um, I, I it just didn't do it for me, so it, it I would put it probably towards the bottom of this list
1: yeah, yeah really? the, the reason it ranks higher for me is for uh, Elizabeth Plug Jim, are you familiar with this new actress <laughs> Elizabeth Plug?
0: Thank you. Thank you.
1: Florence Pugh. I'm sorry. Florence Pugh I,
0: is the girl. Why did I say Elizabeth Plug? That's weird. I, I you hang out with, with very stupid people. <laughs> okay. I can, I'm moving Just on. gonna point that out. Okay. <laughs> there we go.
1: All right. We anyway. We were talking about Kevin Feige getting plugs. I think that's where I got stuck in my head. Anyway, uh plug <sighs> stuck in the head. Get so it? Not that's a double entendre. Ton- okay. okay, moving on. Uh, number yep. five, <laughs> Shang-Chi. Uh, Finally, Mm -hmm. something different in the MCU. I found it entertaining and not the same uh, bit of stuff that they've been giving us year after year after year. So I I enjoyed it for just breaking the mold and doing something daring and different.
0: Mm -hmm.
1: We'll move on. Number four, Loki. Precursor to Kang, even though it was uh, exposition heavy at times, it was still out of this world fun, especially those last couple of episodes. True. Um, mm-hmm. I really enjoyed that. And as we get closer to the top, does anyone want to guess what the top three are? We've only got uh, a couple left.
0: Well, Hawkeye's got to be in there somewhere. Got to be. Um, yeah. Okay. And I think everyone uh, knows what number one is, so I think the drama's well, gone. Yeah, there. I, I, okay, right? so we're, we're talking two and three yeah. at this point. <laughs> so, okay. Yeah, no, so. Two and
1: three. Uh, the battle yeah. there, uh, at, coming in at number three, is Hawkeye. Mm. And that is purely okay. thanks to Kate and Yelena, and the return Mm -hmm. of the Kingpin. Those uh, three people help Hawkeye squeak into the number three slot. And uh, Mm -hmm. that's going to leave us with the obvious at number two, what if. That was just a joy every week. It was a a different character. We weren't, you know, I mean, maybe you're not a Falcon and the Winter Soldier fan. And, you know, that's a whole season you can skip out on. But what if? Mm -hmm. New character every Mm -hmm. week. And then it all culminates at the end unexpectedly. Uh, So that was just a, a treat and a joy week after week. And then uh, finally, number one, Spider-Man. Someone decided they wanted to do the absolute impossible with film, and they also happened to accidentally make it damn entertaining every second throughout. So kudos to Spider-Man. Congratulations on landing the number one spot.
2: And Matthew? There was definitely no question about... uh about this one it's there's so much uh, could sony could have done wrong with this and i was afraid because how much they they thought about putting you know putting together the sinister six movie. they talked about all this stuff in the past and now they're kind of finally doing it but fortunately they seem to have done it right this time thankfully and i i was pleasantly pleased
0: yeah yeah i mean I, i i hate to say this but if it were available for streaming I would have already seen it two or three times yeah. more at this point. But every time I turn around, it sounds like Omicron is getting ready to beat me up and take my lunch money. So it's just sort of like, okay, I'm, I'm just going to stay here until you blow yourself out and then I'll go back and watch No Way Home.
1: I am rather eager to have it come out on home video so I can do a, a Spider-Man marathon and just watch the original trilogy, the Andrew tri-
0: uh, duo of movies, and then the Tom Holland trilogy all back to back. There would be an excellent mix of old stuff, new stuff. And speaking of new stuff, yeah. we're actually doing a new segment of today's show. I would mention that the news portion of today's show is brought to you by Storybook Destinations, trusted travel partner of the Jim Hill Media Podcast Network. For a worry-free travel experience, please book online at storybookdestinations.com. But we don't have a new segment, so I don't have to do that. So you were saying, Aaron?
1: I was saying that uh, someone on Twitter brought up the fact that MJ was wearing the Black Dahlia necklace at the end of Spider-Man No Way Home, <sighs> indicating that she <clears throat> might subliminally be aware that Peter's still out there some way, somehow, but I didn't catch that. Mm-hmm. So I really need to see the movie again for that ending scene and, and see, is she wearing the Black Dahlia necklace that Peter gave her in, uh, in Far From Home?
2: I don't remember if she was wearing something. I think she was wearing something, but I don't remember what.
1: Fans, in, in your repeat viewings, when you go to the theater, look at that last scene where Peter goes to the coffee shop. Is MJ wearing the Black Dahlia necklace?
0: Don't
2: make me go back to the theater. I'm <laughs> this was our first time in the theater in almost two years. And I really don't. Mm. I hope it's not another two years until we go
0: back into the theater. Mm. Okay. I agree. In fact, it, it, it's so interesting you mentioned that. Just think about it. This time last year, was we're coming out of 2020, heading to 2021, I would swear to God, Aaron, that every show we did that year featured the, well, this movie's release date just changed. Oh, while
1: you're talking about that, get ready for Black Panther, Wakanda forever to be moved again, just because of the Shuri stuff. Uh, that's my prediction for mm. 2022. We'll get to that in a little while, but go ahead. Mm. Yeah. The juggling of the film dates. Yes.
0: From where we were last year, I think that here we are, we're closing a 2021, and the word to describe what Marvel Studios did this year with the pandemic going on was words like strong, consistent, and often ridiculously entertaining. Mm-hmm. I mean... The whole limited series on Disney+, Plus, how it will directly link up with the theatrical films. I mean, you very loudly expressed about how is that going to work? You know, especially with, you know, so many films having to shift their release dates. And wasn't Falcon and the Winter Soldier actually supposed to be the first limited series?
1: Yeah, and that was also because of the fact that uh, they had that Contessa cameo in Black Widow. Mm -hmm. And that was Mm -hmm. supposed to come out before for Falcon and the Winter Soldier, so that way when you get introduced to her in one, then she shows up mm-hmm. in the next immediately, and you're like, oh, it's mm-hmm. that chick again. But instead it mm-hmm. went one division, then Falcon and the Winter Soldier, and then we get to Black Widow. Mm-hmm. I may have gotten those backwards. I can't remember now. It's been a while. Didn't Black Widow come out in May, and then Falcon and the Winter Soldier come out in June? I I believe you are correct. So we get her first in, in Black Widow, and then we get the mm. uh, cameo in Falcon.
2: Right, and Falcon and Winter Soldier was supposed to come out out first in the mcu disney plus lineup but then we would have had black widow two years ago so we would have seen her back in 2020 and then seen her again in falcon winter soldier at this point Um, but with scheduling things got switched black widow came out after falcon winter soldier
1: that's right okay and and even kevin feige said you know what when it's all out on home video you can watch it in the proper order but (laughs) right now we've got to bounce one here for this reason
0: and move this thing for that reason it all came down to covid but because i did watch all seven seasons of marvel's agents of shield but the last couple of seasons got kind of hit and miss and and you know what's what's startling is season seven ended on august 12 2020 and it just seems so long ago now given how many limited series we've seen at, the, at this point mm-hmm. and before we saw our first mcu limited series about the fact that agents of shield was supposed to link up and i guess they did make an effort with thor dark world was that the one thor was
1: well, <laughs> i think the first one to line up and then uh after that was
0: captain america mm-hmm. and winter soldier i believe Okay, but WandaVision doesn't start till January 15th of this year. Nine episodes ends on March 5th. And then just two weeks later, we get Falcon and the Winter Soldier. And six episodes done by April 23rd. We wait till June 9th, uh, and that's when we get Loki. All six episodes of those. And our first three Marvel things this year were all limited series for Disney+. Plus. Mm. and And for me... They were just as enjoyable, if not more so, than a lot of the theatrical stuff. I mean, and absolutely killer performances by the supporting teams. Likewise, Wyatt Russell, who you really love to hate as as U.S. agent. Yeah. And and likewise, Aaron, I remember you enthusing so much about Carl Lumley's character in uh, Falcon and the Winter Soldier. What an amazing job he did with that. And like my Daniel Bruhl as Zemo. right? Oh, who could forget
2: that dance sequence that they gave us?
1: That, that yeah. fist pump dance in the club will l- live on forever <laughs> as a GIF in this house. My wife has probably got that looping somewhere on her webpage, but yeah.
0: And then Loki. I mean, Loki is worth it just for Owen Wilson. The backspin that he put on every single one of that character's lines, but... Richard Grant showing up as a classic Loki. Mm-hmm. And then to do what they did with Jonathan Majors as, as he who remains and use that to set up Kang, such an amazing bit of storytelling that really won't pay off for a year, two yet. Yeah, yeah. for
1: the uh, Mania, the Ant-Man and the Wasp Mania. Matthew, what was your highlight of the year for Marvel? What was the one thing that stood out and said, oh my God, I'm so glad I'm a fan for this moment right here.
2: There's so much. I, I have to say, definitely Spider-Man No Way From Home. Again, there's so much that could have gone wrong with it. And they delivered this amazing movie that it, the time flew by. I did not. It did not feel like a two and a half hour movie, but also the extent of content that we got between all the stuff on Disney plus and the movies, just lots of wonderful content this right. year. Um, it, it just, they did such a great job in the consistency of doing a good job with everything. Oh yeah.
0: Yeah. The one Marvel movie that I want to say disappointed me this year was the Eternals. The thing about the Eternals is I feel like it's that puzzle piece, that weird shape one. That's, just a color. It doesn't have anything from the frame. It doesn't have anything from the body of the picture. And you know, it's important. You know, it's going to fit in there somewhere, but you have no clue as to where it fits. That for me right now is the Eternals. It's just, it's this movie where it's like, you gave me a lot of information. And, and remember it actually ends with Mahershala Ali off camera talking as blade, which has got to be huge at some point but in 2024 no that's it exactly but it's just sort of like where does this piece fit tell me now you know because i know it's marvel and in 24 films again just like what you were just talking about with spider-man no way home there's so many things in that movie that got paid off Mm -hmm. and in fact i'm going to say this because i'm a greedy pig Because I so enjoyed Andrew Garfield's performance in No Way Home, I literally went out and sought out the end of Amazing Spider-Man 2. Now I want to see Rhino in that movie. You know, it's like, I I want the enhanced edition. Give me some Paul Giamatti.
1: We wanted that about a decade ago as well, Jim. And we just came to the conclusion that will never, ever happen. Because this is why we can't have nice things. Because Sony Mm. got all silly.
2: We'll get to yeah. the sinister Six movie after the amazing spider-man with andrew garfield they were promising you know, doing a sinister six movie at that point and doing the so much stuff with all the, the different sony characters and then spider-man the amazing spider-man 2 came along and didn't do the numbers that they wanted and all that disappeared and then all of a sudden we got this joint deal with, uh, Marvel. And now we're rebooting again for the third time in under two decades that we're getting everything started again. So as much as it'd be cool to see Paul Giamatti show back up, I, you, can you trust Sony to be able to do stuff like this?
1: Right, I, I mean, yeah, there's a lot of stuff, and it's part of the reason why I just don't want uh, uh, Agatha Harkness series because it's—I I don't see it moving anything forward. It's kind of going backwards a step, and I don't think that she's really necessary for the future of the MCU. When we've got, like Jim was saying, where's Eternals come in in the future? And you know, they mention Blade, but we got to wait for freaking four or five years before they get to certain movies that pay off. And I mean, every time they put something in like an Agatha Harkness, that's another. Thing that I have to wait for Fantastic Four to happen, or for the X Men to to show up finally. And look, you, you, I'm you're not, not
0: wrong, but even with something like Black Widow, what's interesting is they have some amazing set pieces in that. But the real fun of that movie was watching uh, Scarlett Johansson and um, and I'm going to get it right on the first trying. Uh, Florence Pugh. Right? Congratulations. I finally got it right. Yes. Trophy okay. is in the mail. But, uh, you know, but <laughs> 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 Natasha and, and Yelena, oh, for that matter, and now, of course, I'm blanking his name, the two people who played the, their faux mother and father when so they were. David on, Harbour and uh, Rachel Weisz. There we go. And to watch, you know, like that family meal that they had. In fact, I, I remember hearing that Kevin Feige actually fought, for that scene in the movie, which didn't move the scene forward, but it was just a pleasure to watch these four actors together acting as you do, kind you of you know, becoming a family.
1: You do kind of need a scene like that to understand the family dynamic that they're in, because it shows them when they're all together and and the girls are young kids, and then they have a reunion, and you need to see how that family is broken in order for the sisters' relationship to mean anything. You know what I mean? If if everything were just casual and normal, I don't think Scarlet would have meant as much to Yelena because of that that broken home that they both came from, and because Yelena and Scarlet share uh, Black Widow's character, you know, they they shared that same broken household. They that's something that they can connect on on that level. Mm-hmm. But um, yeah, I mean, it wasn't an action scene. And it wasn't Mm -hmm. full of special effects, but it probably was one of the more entertaining and informative bits behind Mm -hmm. an understanding of the character.
2: Yes. It's not a helicopter falling out of the sky, uh, action piece that we got. You get, you get the, the family dynamic, which I think is one of Marvel's hallmarks where you, you have this, these moments of character development of you get actually see who the characters are. Right. Well, you know, one
1: thing yeah. that I hate in movies is when they say the stupidly obvious, like, Yelena, you're my sister for God's sake. You know, and it's like, mm-hmm. you have to tell the audience, she's related to this person. So they, it's like, how many times have I ever gone up to my brother and go, Jeremy, you're my brother for crying out <laughs> loud. Like, you haven't known that your entire freaking life <laughs> since you've been alive. David, we're brothers, man. It's like, yeah, dude, I know. We share the same parents. That's how that works.
0: <laughs> so so they didn't go. have
1: to do that, that trope, but they got to have mm-hmm. it all come out in a family dinner. And I think we all can relate to... Everyone thinks their family's somewhat dysfunctional, you know, some, some mm-hmm. way, somehow. But it's that family dinner experience, sitting around the table, and it's like, oh, Jesus, Dad gonna go off on this again? Oh, Dad, shut up. Please shut up, Dad. No, but really, did Captain but- America talk about me? I was his good friend. <laughs> eh? We
0: butt the heads, but I think you respect me, no? But to circle back to something Matthew just said about the the helicopter falling out of the sky and how you're willing to accept it, when you like a character and you are invested in movie, I, it's like that moment in the original Raiders mm. where Indy swims out to the Nazi submarine and lashes himself to the periscope. And then you cut to a map that travels across, what, 1,500 miles of open ocean. Yep. And then the, the sub is coming up at the base and Indy swimming away from the sub. And it's like, wait a minute. It's a submarine. It never submerged the entire time. They've never went all the way down. They it's never like, noticed those up. white
1: knuckles wrapped around the periscope?
0: What? Yeah. you know, But again, because you had enjoyed so much of that movie right up into that point, you're like, sure, absolutely. Keep going. And that in the end, I mean, that's the thing that Black Widow did so well. The, the, The difference was this family grouping. And more to the point, that's one of the reasons why when Yelena showed up again in Hawkeye and was just... As fun to watch her attitude, particularly when, you know, she, like that scene, I could have watched another half hour of that scene with her and Kate Bishop in the burned out apartment eating macaroni. It was just, you know what? It
1: it should be like uh, Eddie Bauer should team up with Kraft and they should come up with a a vest with lots of pockets and stuff those pockets full of boxes of Kraft macaroni and cheese and just sell it as the Yelena Belova. Vest. Yeah, yeah. There we and go. uh you, there you we can go. have macaroni night with the girls. It smells so good. <laughs> yeah. Whatever.
0: Okay, so so moving on from, from Black Widow. I, again Aaron, I totally on board with what you said about what if. Gonna Marvel What If. Mm-hmm. In fact, my only regret about all of what if I was to get that additional taste of, of Chadwick Boseman,
1: you know, it's funny you say that because are you referring to the Marvel Zombies episode where we were eating Chadwick <laughs> Boseman's character? No, Did but you I, have get little, I get it. I get it. A red lobster bib on during that no, episode, Jim. All right, that,
0: that's right. <laughs> no, 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 no. The poor choice of words um, but no The if T'Challa had become a Star-Lord episode mm-hmm. and in fact to have the people who worked in the animated series talk about that show was such a kick we were oh my god let's let's do this as a spin-off series and to lewd Chad, Chadwick after that was just it was like a heartbreak all over again And then moving into the fall, we then get Shang-Chi and The Legend of the Ten Rings, which, for me, was worth it just for the battle on the bus. And that lovely Twitter stream that the actual driver from San Francisco did about, if somebody has a saber loose on your bus, this is what you do. You use your mirrors. That was great unto itself. And then as we continue to plow into the fall, we have Venom, Let There Be Carnage. And Aaron, not a big fan of of Venom, but more to the point, interesting.
1: I'm, I'm wearing Venom pants right now, for crying out loud. I mean, I'm a fan. Oh my god,
0: look at that! You are wearing Venom pants. Holy cow. Okay, uh, I stand corrected. But just not the the
1: movie version of the Venom I've been rather not as impressed with.
0: And just today, I did a little homework and interesting. uh, You are not alone, because Let There Be Carnage did 44% of the business, the original Venom did, overseas. Now, how much of that is COVID? How much of that is That they didn't make it into the Chinese market? I don't know what to tell you. After that, of course, we got a journals, and it it comes on um, Disney Disney Plus Plus on
1: January 12th, I think, is the
0: date. There we go. All right, so we'll regroup at that point and talk about this. But again, earnest, well-meaning. Eh, not exactly entertaining. I'll revise my ranking list to include
1: Eternals once I've seen it. I obviously had to exclude it because I uh, I did not see it. But that one image, Jim, of of the the head and the hand coming up out of the ocean and the ice that looks so cool, and I'm I'm willing to give that movie at least two stars just for that image
0: right there. It's Marvel. I mean, it's beautifully produced. It's amazing cast. I just I don't know what to do with this puzzle piece yet. And anything that brings Patton Oswald into the MCU is really fine by me. Um, all right. We've already talked about Hawkeye. We've already talked about Spider-Man No Way Home, which as of today is the highest grossing film in all of Sony history. hundred and sixty million dollars after t- just 12 days in release. That's crazy. Congratulations to Sony. And okay, now to pivot to the parks. This past year, we finally saw the Avengers Campus open at uh, Disney's California Adventure. And it's hard to really decide how to feel about this, given that the giant e-ticket, which was supposed to anchor this land, now seems to be not just on hold, but canceled which is a little concerning. But we got to give Mr. Chapek a chance to actually get on the job. He doesn't start till January 2nd and see what he puts into development. But the stories coming out of the Anaheim Park is the stuff that was sort of created deliberately just to create additional revenue streams for this brand new land, The, the spider bots and the web tech, the power bands that were supposed to allow you to get an even higher score in on the Web Slinger's Spider-Man adventure ride, hasn't been selling all that well. Uh, Wait a minute, nickel and diming
1: tactic is failing? (laughs) 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 So let's clarify real quick, Jim. Is the only ride in the Avengers campus
0: the Spider-Man ride? Right now, yes. Well, Now, mind you, what they did is when they opened the campus – They included the previously standing there all by itself, the Guardians of the Galaxy mission breakout ride. So, you know, it's sort of like, hey, this thing that's next to where we were building this, this is now part of us. So technically they have two rides and they also have the Doctor Strange Ancient Sanctorum. Just kind of a a pop-up show. Yeah, which, you know, (laughs) a lot of bad magic, but... I mean, it seems like
1: they've got a concrete building that's supposed to be the campus where they park a Quinjet <laughs> that can't fly, and then they've got a ride, and then they go, well, what else do we have here? Nothing. Oh, we've got some series coming out. Let's get some costumes real quick and put an actress. By the way, Jim, it was about six months ago, maybe, that you were talking about the Agatha Harkness character. Uh, showing yes. up in, mm-hmm. in the park. And you were so mm-hmm. excited that she was dressed in Agatha Harkness gear. You know, if she wasn't dressed like Agatha Harkness, they'd just call that a brunette.
0: <laughs> oh.
1: <laughs> like, who's that brunette walking I, I, through just going, hocus pocus, alakazam. <laughs> That's a crazy lady. Oh, no, put a purple dress on her. It's Agatha Harkness now.
0: What's nice about this is you, you do have them working seeming to work that much harder to connect up, you know, the stuff that's going on with the limited series on Disney plus and having it show up in the parks I was actually today going back through just with Loki. It was like every week, you know, there was Loki in his prisoner outfit then Loki wearing his variant costume. And then there was president Loki. And, you know, it was just sort of like, okay, they, they're putting some effort in here. They're trying. And let's not forget it. We do have the stunt Tronic that does, those amazing jumps through the air and striking great Jack Kirby-esque poses in midair. And
1: as cool as that may be, I mean, Jim, we're talking about, is, is Disney convinced me yet, a lifelong Marvel mm-hmm. fan, to spend mm-hmm. one red cent or more to go to California to go see a concrete building with a pretend plane on top, ride a Spider-Man ride where I have to pay extra money In order to get a better score and see some actors who are not in the movies, but actors pretending to be the actors in the movies, walk around in the land and that's not enough to convince me to do anything yet. And I don't mean that as an insult, I'm just saying what's going to motivate me to go, that is not it.
0: Is this the part I tell you about the Disney Dish live event we're going to try to do in 2023? That's that's fine. Or or should I tell you later off air? No, it's fine if
1: you do it, but I mean, what what I'm saying is, like, I would be more apt to book a ticket if they were to take mm -hmm. all of the costumes from all of the Marvel TV shows and movies and make a museum. And turn that building into a walkthrough museum of all the Marvel artifacts throughout the years. I mean, that to me, as, as a fan of the films and the movies, I don't... I'm, I'm a huge Spider-Man fan, but making my hands do thwip motions is not my mm. idea of entertainment. And then buying a little unit to make my thwip motions be more accurate only mm. aggravates me.
2: Back uh, about two years ago at the, the Franklin Museum in Philadelphia, they had a Marvel... Um, exhibit traveling exhibit that went around a bunch of different museums where they had a bunch of the original artwork with uh some of the original comic books on display and artworks from jack Kirby and then you also did have props i don't know if they were replica pops props or if they were the original props or additional props from the movie so you'd had the tesseract on display you had several of iron man's suits of armor on display that you could get pictures of in front of, and a lot of um, pieces of information that told you about the storylines, about the people who created it. It was a a beautiful, beautiful um, exhibit
0: that I could have spent several more hours in than I did originally. Speaking of which, though, Aaron, you're not wrong. I mean, what's interesting is when the Main Street Opera House at Disneyland, which, by the way, started off life as the lumber mill. I mean, this was literally the building they built so they could then saw the wood, which was then used to create the rest of the park. But it stood empty for a lot of years until finally Disney made, I want to say, Babes and Toyland in 61. And that was the first year they they did exactly what you described. They took something that was standing empty and they put sets and costumes and you know that sort of thing and made it into a walkthrough exhibit. So yeah. uh,
1: here at the Indianapolis Children's Museum, I got to see the Green Goblin mask from the first Spider-Man movie, and now revisited once again and Broken in the uh, mm-hmm. Spider-Man No Way Home. But that was my uh, phone screensaver for many many years, and it, it was it was like I got to, to come within spitting distance of the Holy Grail for me. It was oh, just so amazing that that was the thing that Willem Defoe had over his face for that movie because I mean I cherish that movie for so many years and to be able to just become come within inches of touching it and stealing it mm. and hiding it in my coat and then swinging out of the <laughs> children's
0: <laughs> museum <laughs> you were talking about Disney you know repurposing things and will that get you back into the park and let's not forget that June of the, this past year we had the Disney Hotel New York the Art of Marvel open uh, over at the Disneyland Paris Resort, and they went through and redid all 561 rooms in that hotel to make them more marvelly, using a lot of the Iron Man color palette to drive, you know, a lot of the choices in the building. And and much as Matthew was describing with the, the traveling exhibit they had walls upon walls of costumes and amazing pieces of concept art and it's supposedly a, a must-see now if you're a Marvel fan and, and more to the point it's it's a must-stay at because I think they just closed <laughs> the, the Disneyland Paris Hotel to redo that one so beyond that, okay, so we spent a good portion of our time here celebrating Marvel successes and let's also remember it was a somewhat challenging year for the company that brings us to Scarlett Johansson suing Marvel back in July of this year. And that whole story took a hard left that I don't think Disney was anticipating. I mean, Disney pushed back immediately uh, because Scarlett was basically asking for Robert Downey Jr. money because it was Robert Downey Jr. himself who talked her through how to structure the deal. And the whole notion was that once Black Widow made a certain amount of money and made a, a fortune overseas, she would get a very healthy back end. So here was Bob Chapek thinking, well, this is my first chance to be the big boss and to stomp the Hollywood star. And boy, did that go sideways. So they paid out money to The Rock and to, uh,
1: let's see, there was...
0: Emma Stone and then Emily Blunt. And um,
1: how much did that total up to, Jim? And, and the sec- follow-up question is, do you think that that amount of money was enough mm-hmm. for Bob Chapek to lo- learn his lesson on how to treat the situation in the future.
0: Oh, I hope so. But it, it, it wound up between the $40 million that they wound up paying out to Miss Johansson to, to come back and say, I am satisfied and I will continue to work with Disney and Marvel, uh, it was $100 million. And if you think about it, she initially just sued Disney for twenty you got
1: to admit that's actually pretty good for Disney because Mm -hmm. if I were working at, I don't know, AT&T, and name Mm -hmm. any company, it doesn't matter who, but if I went, hey, I'm suing you for millions, even if they owed it to me, the fact Mm -hmm. that I would sue any company, that company would not end up paying me millions and millions and then go, oh, by the way, if you'd like another job, please come back. That just really doesn't happen today, right? If you sue you the company that you work for and you win and they give you all the money, the next thing that they usually give you is the finger from a distance. Mm-hmm. And and that didn't this happen with true. Disney and Scarlet. So, I mean, all things considered, that's pretty grown up of the company, I think.
0: Well, now that brings us to our next Controversy, because uh, I, I especially with what's going on with Omicron right now, wonder how this is going to play out. And this is the Letitia Wright situation. Remember, she was injured on the set back in August and withdrew from the production to recover. And then we found out in uh, November of this year that they had paused production because they had basically shot everything they could shoot without Letitia Wright. And evidently, she she had a concussion, she had some facial injuries, and the the woman needs time to recover for these, and I completely understand. But supposedly, this is the Walt Disney Company that insists on all employees getting vaccinated. And Letitia Wright has been fairly outspoken about how she feels about vaccination. So I think everybody's sort of eyeballing what happens in January, February, when everyone's supposed to regroup and shoot this final set of scenes with Letitia. Jim, do you remember growing up chicken pox parties? I, I've heard of these, yes. Okay,
1: yeah. one kid gets the chicken pox, and then, they, and then mom calls the other moms and goes, by the way, Junior's got chicken pox. You want to bring over your kids mm-hmm. so they can get the pox real quick and get it out of the way? And then mm-hmm. everyone brings over their kids so they can all get the chicken pox and then be done with it. Is this mm-hmm. what we're going to have to do with our Marvel actors that don't want to get the jab? We'll just go, hey, we got uh, Tony here over here has got uh, the COVID. And uh, we're gonna lock you in a room with them for the next forty-eight hours. Make sure you get it, and then once you get over it, you can come back to work. It's either that or the jab. Take your choice.
0: Matthew, are you willing to climb out of this limb, or <laughs> uh, no? Thank you. Okay. Well, okay, well then there let's, you are. Do, let's
1: do a different one. Let's place our bets. Uh, Jim and Matthew, okay. I'll ask you each. Mm-hmm. I believe Black Panther will kind of forever falls off of its release date, gets pushed indefinitely for the time being. What are your guys' bets? Does it make it to to film and final and up on screen on its predicted date? Or does it get pushed? Does it get shelved? Does it get dropped? What do you think?
2: I I think it will come out. I'm
0: not guaranteeing it's coming out on time, but we will see it at some point. Already, Black Panther Wakanda Forever has been pushed back. It's now November 11th of next year. So even if they do shoot in January, February, and again, I don't know how they address the Letitia Wright situation. Maybe we're all talking at our ass here. Maybe, you know, it's just literally injuries and in Hollywood gossip is is a form of currency. Mm-hmm. So we don't have the actual story yet. We have pieces, but we don't have the whole story. And I know from talking with friends on the Disney consumer product side that Given the merch that was sold for the original Black Panther film, and look again, look at the time of year this is being released to theaters, gentlemen. This is Disney's big Christmas movie because the Disney animated film that's coming out directly after this, uh, Strange World, is, is more of a, a sci-fi pulp magazine kind of a movie. Evidently, Consumer Products has already looked at and go, no, we're not going to move a lot of plush for that. Mm -hmm. So right now, Black Panther Wakanda Forever is Disney's Christmas 2022. And come hell or high water, this movie will make it out into theaters for that date. If only to move the little Black Panther masks and pajama, you know, and underwears and socks. I think it's Ryan Coogler, the gentleman who's directing the movie. That's pretty much the message they've gotten across to him. It's effective. you will complete this movie.
1: Even if I have to put on a wig and play the part of Shuri myself. <laughs> there you
0: go. there we'll, you go.
2: We'll really know if uh, we start seeing James Cameron have to ramp up Avatar 2, uh, if Black Panther is going to be coming out in November.
1: Avatar 2? What's that?
0: <laughs> okay, we are now talking about... The the films of 2022. Tell you what, gentlemen. Let's let's take a short break here, and when we regroup, we we will peek over the horizon and talk about uh, what's coming in the next year. We were just uh, talking a little bit about uh, Black Panther, Wakanda Forever, which comes out November 11th of next year. On the other hand, you know, January 28th of next year, we get Mobius, which, I, again, Aaron, you've been quite vocal about the teaser trailer for that.
1: Okay, now here's the thing about that. When, when I went to go see Spider-Man Far From or I'm sorry, Spider-Man No Way Home. They have, you know, the little previews that they've got, not the actual movie trailers that show before the film, but they've got like a talking head going, uh, here's some trivia about movies and blah, blah, blah. And they had these two guys talking about Morbius coming out. And they mentioned the fact that they've got the Oscorp building from The Amazing Spider-Man, the fact that they've got the Daily Bugle headline from the Tobey Maguire Spider-Man series and, and the poster with his costume, and that they also had stuff from... The Vulture from our Tom Holland series. And they're like, so they've got elements of all three different universes. Maybe this means that Mobius takes place in a universe where all three of these things are coexisting. It's not necessarily RMCU just yet. He's still in a different multiverse where all of these things can cohabitate without breaking the rules. And that was the first time where I went, okay, if we're in a multiverse, sure, why not? Because that's the only answer that makes any sense right now. And if, if they go that direction, well, that that cures most of my complaints thus far about it being a stupid
2: movie.
0: Okay. So, okay. we'll see.
2: Matthew? Venom is referenced in Morbius, so he exists in the Morbius universe. So, yeah. where does this actually fit in?
1: Yeah, you got a point there. Now, if he's in a Venom universe, but they don't have a Spider-Man there, that breaks the rules once again. Now, now I'm flummoxed again. You've swung okay, the pendulum but, but, too far, but, Matthew, too far. <laughs> but please
0: continue, continue.
2: Add more Matt Smith, and I'll be a lot happier. There,
0: there you we go. go, okay. I can, yeah. for us Doctor Who fans, I agree. I was talking with friends at the studio level, and they were saying that the belief right now at Sony is on the back of people going to see Spider-Man No Way Home. They have so much tremendous goodwill That it's sort of the equivalent of what happened when you were just talking about Avatar. When the original Avatar came out, and and, the first time in years we'd had a 3D movie, and audiences lost their mind, and it made like $3 billion worldwide. The very next 3D film that came through the door was Tim Burton's Alice in Wonderland with Johnny Depp. And and the weird thing is it, it did almost exactly half the business that Avatar did. And then every there was sort of an Oklahoma land rush, and everybody got into converting their movie into a 3D film, and it was it then became a set of stairs. You could literally watch every new 3D movie that came out, made half as much money as the money the movie that had come out beforehand. And so the folks at Sony right now are like, it doesn't even we don't even actually have to finish Mobius. People having seen Spider-Man No Way Home are gonna be so prepped for the next marvel movie
1: you know you're starting to sound like they have a lot of confidence and usually when i think of confidence i think of a confidence man do you know what a confidence man is jim i think they have an abbreviation for it isn't it con man
2: they had a bunch of confidence when they were going to do the sinister six movie with amazing spider-man 2 and look what happened there yeah they had so much confidence back then as well
0: all i can tell you gentlemen is that, that this movie lies in the hammock between uh, Spider-Man: No Way Home and Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness, which comes out on May sixth of next year, Sony at this point is just sort of like just clear another spot in the, the vault, you know, because Mobius is going to do amazing business because people will be looking for a Marvel movie between Spider-Man and Doctor Strange. And let's remember the other thing about Multiverse of Madness—it's a Sam Raimi. Marvel movie, which, you know, I I don't need to tell you two gentlemen, having watched the original Spider-Man trilogy. Do you remember uh, Captain
1: Phillips, or is the gentleman who goes, hey, hey, look at me. I'm the captain now. All right. I saw a meme on Twitter, and this was so damn funny. It was uh, Toby Maguire and Robert Downey Jr. face to face, and Toby Maguire says, Uh look at me. And... (laughs) Tony Stark, Robert Downey Jr. looks at him, and Tobey Maguire says, I'm the first Marvel movie now. (laughs) (laughs) Because he's been brought back in through through the Tom Holland. So yeah, he is now officially the first MCU film uh, out of the batch. Mm -hmm. That's great.
0: But think about it. We've got Doctor Strange, Multiverse of Madness coming in May. We've got a Taika Waititi, Thor movie, Love and Thunder, coming out on, on July 8th. And because we've all seen Thor Ragnarok, we know what kind of to expect to that. And more to the point, knowing what Sam Raimi did with the Spider-Man movies, it's like, ooh, I want to see him in the Doctor Strange toolbox. With these films coming and the fact that Black Panther, Wakanda Forever is all the way in November, it's like... Just Look away, they'll figure it out, they'll get it ready in time for Disney's Christmas, and you know, they'll be able to sell all the Wakanda Forever under ruse. But then, right in the middle of that, October 7th, we get Spider Man Across the Spider Verse Part One, which you know, Aaron and I gibbered about when the, the trailer came out, uh, just ahead of, of No Way Home, right? Yeah, um. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, and that just that just looked amazing, and this totally disregards what's coming on Disney Plus. I mean, we've got Ms. Marvel, Moon Knight, She Hulk, and James Gunn is prepping the first ever Marvel. Well, okay, realistically, do we call Hawkeye the first Marvel? Holiday special. I mean, are we now in the Die Hard? Iron Man
2: three was technically the first Marvel Christmas movie. Yeah, exactly. Thank you, Matthew.
0: Okay. Yeah. Okay. Well, there we go. I was about to say, are we suddenly in, in Die Hard a, is a is Die Hard a Christmas yes. movie? Yes, and that again? was what we watched
1: for Christmas. Thank you very much.
0: Did you really? Well, yes. Oh. There is no.
1: It's a Wonderful Life. Oh, it's come to the coast. Have a few laughs.
0: laughs. Now I have a machine gun too. Yes, ho. ho, <laughs> you know ho yes. <laughs> But in addition to that, we've got those, those, those I Am Groot shorts, and likewise, you know, they have not officially confirmed it at this point because Disney Plus is a pain in the ass and doesn't tell us till weeks out when things are debuting. But somewhere out there is season two of Marvel's What If, supposedly continuing the Haley Atwell Captain Britain story. No. And,
1: yep, They're going to continue yep. that? I thought they would uh, just do a, a fresh batch of new stuff. I, I'm almost disappointed to carry on with that. That storyline. There's so many other multiverses to explore. I I don't want to get trapped in the one that we saw.
0: I absolutely get that. But the way animation works these days is, yes, you announce that you're doing season one but season one is 10 episodes and you've already been greenlit for 20 episodes. So you're already planning season one and season two at the same time. And the whole notion was that we love this character and we want to keep her going. So Marvel wants to keep Haley Atwell around more. Yeah, no, no, absolutely. And if we're pivoting to the parks, remember that the Avengers, the Paris version of Avengers campus will be opening at Walt Disney Studios park over in France, summer of this year. Was it BuzzFeed that ran uh, that video that had been taken of the toddler-sized Groot? Uh, that oh, they, yeah, they walking they, around the, the
1: animatronic thing that they...
0: Yeah. Yeah. And likewise, we also saw coming out of the Destination D uh, that was held at the Contemporary just last month, that they actually brought out the pieces of the suit that they will be using either for the Hulk... Or for a Wampa in the Star Wars world, but a giant suit with mechanical hands that that they're- It'll be 3D printed. There we go. Are they really 3D printing the suit?
2: Yeah, it's going to be, they're using the 3D printing to create the muscle tissue and the muscle tone of the the walk-around character to give it a
0: little more flexibility and a little more uh, proper looking. Oh, that's cool. That is cool. Yeah. Uh, now, uh, to circle back to concerns for 2022, the Disney-China situation continues to concern a lot of people at the company. I mean, the fact that Mulan and Shang-Chi certainly didn't do the business that they hoped, and that was largely because they were held out of that market. Uh, likewise, Eternals that actually get held out because of the same-sex couple kiss—that's literally in this thing for like a tenth of, tenth of a second—and that was enough to keep that out of that market. And so, that's what's genuinely intriguing about Spider-Man: No Way Home—the fact that it's doing the business that it's doing—and and Disney and Marvel are still having issues with China right now. So, all right, gentlemen, uh, to bring things to a close here, if we are looking. Ahead to 2022 and, and further on down the line. What more do you want to see from Marvel? And I'll start us off just sort of give you a taste of where it likes to go here. I would love to see more Vincent DeFario's Kingpin. You know, I, I realize we have kind of an iffy end for what happened in Hawkeye. But again, it, it was so fun to see that character. Likewise, Yelena and Kate Bishop. I, I want more of that. I also, i realized, as Aaron just explained, if if, you know, we can, willing to wait till quantum we can find out what happened with Jonathan Majors, Kang, or He Who Remains, and it's like, I'm not willing to wait. I want, I want, I don't know. And now, and again, this is where Aaron and I have our parting of the ways, I want to see more Agatha Harkness. I I, I so enjoyed Catherine Hahn's work in, in Wandavision. Likewise, I want to know what happened to Paul Bettany's other vision. And I will even go further out on the limb based on just you know, and it was a film full of amazing performances, everybody across the board. But Andrew Garfield did such a good job in No Way Home. Oh no! I want to see I want to see another Spider Man movie with that guy. Oh. But, but what about you guys? What, what do you want to see next? Matthew? I'm, I'm
2: really looking forward to... I mean, there's a lot of stuff coming out that's going to be great, but um, Ms. Marvel is one of the things that I'm really excited about. A bunch of my co-hosts are looking forward to She-Hulk, especially with Tatiana Maslin from uh, Orphan Black. Um, she does a fantastic job. I, I hope Daredevil shows up in that series. But I'm I'm really looking forward to the uh cosmic rewind coaster guardians of the galaxy cosmic rewind coaster in epcot the the show building i've been seeing it being built for years and it's massive it blocks out the sun you can fit multiple spaceships earths in it but yeah i think um that's that's what has me really
0: excited god i'm embarrassed i didn't mention that oh you're right yeah in fact important to point out that while we still don't know when Tron Light Cycle Run is going to open, Disney's been very upfront about you know, Guardians of the Galaxy Cosmic Rewind will open uh, for 2022. What about you, Aaron? What, what are you looking forward to in 2022?
1: Uh, Moon Knight, simply for Oscar Isaac, being one of the greatest actors of our time. Uh, I will agree that She Hulk is also very, very high up on my list. And after that, Thor Love and Thunder for Taika Waititi's writing and directing, you know, that puts it very, very high on the list. The return of Natalie Portman's character, Jane, coming back into the Thor universe is uh, rather important for me. And I don't, I'm not against Doctor Strange in the Multiverse of Madness in any way, shape, or form, but we had uh, Wanda playing with a bit of a multiverse idea with her. We heard her kids at the very, very end of her series calling out to mom and she opens her eyes like they're out there somewhere in a different universe. And we think that maybe that had something to do with the multiverse. And then we had Loki and the He Who Remains, and we thought that was the opening of a multiverse. And then we got Spider-Man and a multiverse there. And I'm, I don't want to say I'm multiversed out, but uh, the story arc... It's okay to to end the story arc with Doctor Strange in the Multiverse of Madness. I'm hoping when the credits roll that we're kind of done with the multiverse for a little bit and just start telling stories again that involve our our current-day characters in this universe. I really want to see a Fantastic Four. I really want to see an X-Men, and I don't want to wait a decade for it to happen. So we need to get, get back on board with moving the story points forward. I mean, we've been laying out threads for, um, yeah, like Kang. I mean, is it fair to make your audience wait two full years for a character to come out? I mean, could we have worked on the timing a little bit differently for these? Or it just seems like a long time to have a, a hint of a character. Same thing with Blade. Nobody knew that it was Mahershala Ali's voice up until Chloe Zhao said, oh, by the way, that was Mahershala Ali. And by the way, he's playing Blade. And everyone went, oh, well, I guess that's cool then. When's it coming out? a couple of years from now. Oh, well, then why are you talking about it? I got to wait. You know um, what I mean?
0: To be fair here, remember, Mr. Feige in his giant room with his whiteboard, which I I think he's on his fifth eraser at this point because it's like, I can't release it then. Can't release it then. In fact, you were talking about putting the money down on Wakanda forever because, of course, you know, what's going on with Omicron now? In fact, it'll be really interesting to see, for example, if um, Morbius actually makes it out for January 28th. You know, I I, wonder... The idea of releasing
1: a vampire movie in January, though, just seems really odd to me. I I think it would have worked much better in the October release date, uh, Mm. uh, but...
0: No doubt, no doubt, and in fact The rule of thumb, typically, when a movie came out in January was... Previously, that meant, you know, the studio didn't have all that much confidence in it. They they dumped it at a time of year when it wouldn't do... Necessarily do business, but... All of the old rules are at the windows right now, and mm-hmm. and more to the point, again, Morbius is the movie that's in the hammock between No Way Home and Multiverse of Madness, and Sony is actually building a new vault. Mm-hmm. So it's like I don't know what to tell you.
2: January movies tend to come up with their own shovels. I, I that's what I, I agree with you there. <laughs> yeah. Is
1: that to help there dig its go. own grave, or or the amount of poo that it's going to be slinging
0: for digging
2: its own grave?
0: <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Disney used to have a, an additional branch in addition to the touchstone that they called Hollywood Studios. And it, its its a, a icon was the Sphinx, you know. And the problem was in the industry, they had so many bombs, it was like, if it's from the Sphinx, it stinks. So yeah, so th- there were a lot of shovels handed out at Disney at that time. So that... Ladies and gentlemen, is our look back at 2021, our look ahead at 2022. I want to thank Matthew Graykin of the Marvelous Disney Marvels podcast for joining us tonight. We normally close out the show by telling people where they can uh, find myself and Aaron and that sort of thing. So let's start with you. Where where can they find you on social media and the like?
2: Um, All over the place. We are, our Facebook group is facebook.com slash groups slash Disney Marvels podcast. On Instagram, we're at Disney Marvels Podcast. We're even on the TikTok, believe it or not, at Disney Marvels Podcast. And on Twitter, we're at Disney Marvels. We also have a small YouTube channel that you could subscribe to.
0: And, Aaron, I, I'm settling into the big comfortable chair because I know this will take a while. Where can people find you on social media?
1: Yeah, actually, I have uh, recently become omnipresent. So ah, you can follow anybody on Twitter, and you're actually following me. So there you go. Just go to <laughs> Twitter.com, follow anybody.
0: That's me. <laughs> wow. <laughs> okay. All right. Well, Nancy, on the other hand, wants me to remind you. You can find us on Twitter and Instagram, it's Jim Hill Media, and over on Facebook is Jim Hill Media News. Hey, that's me. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> there, there we go. And uh, tell you what, if you could do... Aaron and Matthew and I A favor If you get over to Apple Podcasts And not only rate and recommend the show you're listening to right now Marvel Us Disney But also, and again, I want to clarify here Disney Marvels Podcast That's very helpful And at the end, if you really, really enjoy what you heard here tonight You want to go over to Bandcamp and subscribe That helps And uh, beyond that On behalf of Matthew and Aaron I will want to, especially since the show is going live On December 31st I want to wish you all a very happy and healthy new year. And beyond that, uh, Aaron and I will be back with a brand new show in the coming week. Until then, thank you and take care.